it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You're listening to Killer Queens, a true crime podcast. Some material may be disturbing and we use adult language. Listener discretion is advised. If you love the show, be sure to hit subscribe so that you never miss new episodes. And if you want to support the show, please visit www.patreon.com slash killerqueenspod where as little as $3 a month gets you early access to shows and amazing additional content. Now on to today's case. Welcome back. Hello. Mr. Cat here. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Quit that. Quit that. So today we are going to cover the case of, some people call it the Shayna Hubers case because she's the perpetrator and some people call it the murder of Ryan Poston. He's the victim. So whichever one you call it, this is it. We're going to cover both. Yeah. That's what you're going to call it. Yep. So, we are going to begin our story on October the 12th, 2012. Campbell County 911 receives a frantic call from a woman claiming that she's just shot her boyfriend in self-defense. Campbell County 911. Ma'am, I have, I have an, um, um, call. I, I killed my boyfriend in self-defense. Okay, where are you at? Anything else, Meadow View or something? No, 12 Meadow Lane, ma'am. My children are so Okay, 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 okay. Hold on, hold on. What did you kill him with? A gun, a loaded gun in the house. Tell me where the gun is right now. A gun is in the house. Where at, though, ma'am? Tell me where it's at. I, I laid it on the bookshelf. Where at? Lay it on the shelf? On the bookshelf. Where are you? I was thrown into the side of the couch. 
I mean, I had to edit some of it out. It's a longer call, so I edited some of the information. Yeah, that doesn't need to be there. Um, Her spelling, her name, stuff like that. But that call, I really, what really got me in that is when she's talking about in the, the dispatcher even is like, hold up, hold up. (laughs) Did you just say that? though that you don't have any injuries and she's like what no I don't have any injuries he threw me into the couch I don't know if she's trying to say like he threw me into something that's softer but I mean you would think if he if she was being manhandled like that she would have like bruises where he grabbed her at the very least something yeah something where it's bad enough to where she needs to kill someone over it it's got to be pretty fucking bad. Don't you think? Yeah. I would think. So the dispatcher's like, I mean, what do you mean you don't have any injuries, you know? And she's just like, well, I mean, he's bigger than me, like, you know. And I'm not saying that that can never happen, but it is very strange that she says, and she even says on the call, I 
I thought he was almost dead or I knew he was almost dead and I knew he was going to die and he was twitching. So I went back and shot him a couple more times. Like so cold and calloused. Yeah. It just, I mean, these are her own words. Like it's just insane. Mm -hmm. So let's take a few steps back here and kind of talk about what led up to this 911 call. I think that's a great idea. Thank you. So Shayna Hubers is the caller, and she was 21 years old at this time. Little baby. I know. Ryan Poston was the person who she shot, and at this time he was 29 years old. and Very good looking. Very good looking guy. They were kind of on again, off again for around 18 months before this. They had met kind of via Facebook. So Shayna was friends with Ryan's cousin, Carissa, and they kind of started talking that way. So they started dating. They'd been dating off and on for 18 months at this point. And Ryan was actually supposed to go on a blind date this night. So he was actually going to go on a date with former Miss Ohio, Audrey Bolte, and they were supposed to meet at a bar. They were actually supposed to originally meet at his condo, and then they decided at the last minute to just go meet up at a bar and have some drinks. So uh, it's quite possible that that saved her life. Um, I don't know what would have happened if Shayna had showed up and this other girl was there. Um, but they were, he was supposed to go on a date. So earlier in the week, he had told Shayna, look, I'm not going to be able to see you Friday. Like Friday for sure, not going to happen. But he didn't tell her specifically why. And it seems that this night, some things obviously went horribly wrong, but probably she found out about this date. So the day before this, Thursday, October the 12th, the vice presidential debate was on TV. Hmm. I personally don't watch that kind of shit, but Ryan was really into it. Good for him. I yeah. mean, I think it's important stuff probably, but I just can't be bothered by it. No. It's like the news. I hate that fucking show. <laughs> so, um... Ryan was really into it. He liked, he was very up to date on politics and things like that. He really liked debates. He was a lawyer. So, you bet a lawyer, but he had brought Shayna over to his mom and stepdad's house for dinner and they were going to watch that debate. And during that visit, he pulled his stepdad aside or they were talking privately at one point and said, Look, I think I'm going to break it off with. Shayna, finally, like, I'm going to make it, I'm going to make it official because he had done this many times before, told her he didn't want to be together. And she wormed her way back in. Yeah, it didn't stay that way. So he was like, this time it's for real. I have a date tomorrow night. I'm excited about it. So I think I really need to end things. So he's told his stepdad, finally to the curb. Yeah. Finally kicking her to the curb. Got a date. Hot date. Pretty excited about that. So his stepdad's like, great. Because they didn't really care much for her, maybe? No, yeah, they had just seen how things had been over the last couple of years and that she basically refused to just go away. And they were hoping that 
once he finally ended stuff with her that she would move on, just like accept it and move on and finally go away. They were tired of her. So that night, Shayna ended up spending the night at Ryan's. And the next day is Friday, October the 12th. Ryan, again, he had told her earlier in the week he wasn't going to see her that day. So I don't know if that kind of led to whatever happened. So like around in the middle of the night, like around three o'clock in the morning, Shayna calls her mom and tells her that she's in pain. She's having chest pain. Her left arm is hurting, like all this kind of stuff. What kind of like a heart attack? Yeah, seems like it. And so her mom's really worried about her and she's like, but for whatever reason, she's saying like, I'm out in the living room, Ryan's in his bedroom. He won't come out. I don't know, just being really weird about it, kind of making it sound like she's in really big trouble and Ryan just doesn't give a fuck. And so her mom's like, oh my God, I'm going to drive there. So her mom drives 80 miles to go pick her up. Wow. Yeah. She gets there at like five o'clock in the morning and Ryan wakes up, just wakes up in the morning and Shayna's mom is just in his house and he's like, what the fuck are you doing here? Yeah. What is going on here? And so they said at that point, Shayna was like shaking, still grabbing her left arm. And her mom was like, come with me. Let me, you know, take you to the hospital. Let me get you out of here. Yeah. And she's like, no, 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 no. I'm fine. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to stay here and work things out. Like she was kind of acting like that some sort of an argument with Ryan maybe brought this on or something. And so her mom was like, well, let me, you know, get you out of here. And she's like, no, I'm fine. So then that day she proceeds to spend the whole day shopping with her mom. Like she gets up, she gets ready after that. She leaves and then she goes shopping with her mom all day. But she's texting Ryan saying, I'm being placed on medicine that's going to help my blood pressure. I'm so thankful my mom came and took me to the doctor. She's like making him think that she's had this really big health scare and, you know, that she's on medication now and it should be controlled and like all this stuff. And the, you know, meanwhile, she did not go to the doctor. Like she's just out shopping and just telling him like she spent the whole day at the doctor and all this stuff. And he was probably like, cool, bye, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> so her mom goes back home. Everything's supposed to be fine. And then Ryan's supposed to go on this date. So he told Jaina he's not going to hang out with her or whatever. Well, she shows up anyway. He gets home from work and she's at his condo. And y'all crazy, bitch. Then we get you know, the 911 call. So what she ends up doing is she says that she shot him six times in self-defense. So overkill. They bring her in to the police station and, and and Ryan lived by himself. Yes. Ryan lived by himself. She had a key to the condo, but he lived by himself. Like, so it was a two bedroom apartment one bedroom obviously was his and his second bedroom was literally like just had like his ties and stuff hanging up. It was kind of like a closet, but he had so many ties. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and I think they were all color coordinated if I can remember correctly. I'm sure they were. Yeah. I'm surprised he didn't have some kind of like a pol- politics room. 
<laughs> or something. <laughs> Here's where we do our debates. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But, and he also was a gun enthusiast. He had a lot of guns. And in his tie room, I guess sure. you would call it, um, he also had like an artillery vest kind of thing. And, um, and he had guns all over the house, but like he lived alone. Um, he didn't have small children there or anything like that. I mean, he had a permit for them all and like he was licensed to carry and all that kind of stuff so um he was just like into like he had he had ammunition all over the place he had a bookcase in his like kind of living room dining room area it had bullets on it um he just he had stuff all over the house it was kind of it was a messy apartment it was a bachelor pad for sure like he didn't it wasn't spick and span and gonna be in like better homes and gardens or anything like that hopefully he wasn't like vacuuming up bullets and things like that maybe he was i don't know it's dangerous it is dangerous what if they shot out of there i know yeah it's like a jiffy pop what's a jiffy pop? <gasps> Tarella. Uh, remember on the movie scream and they were making popcorn on the stove oh yeah 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 that's it's that, that. Mm-hmm. huh i didn't know that's what that's called um so yeah, so he's like he's into guns. He has guns all over his house, kind of thing. Um, but he did live alone. So they bring Shayna into the station. So obviously, after the nine one one call, the cops get there, and they have her come out with her hands up because she told them she was the shooter. They had her. She said she had set the gun down in the house on the bookshelf, and they bring her in for her um, questioning. And the sergeant comes in and. He very first thing he does, obviously, is read her Miranda rights. And then she immediately says, I want a lawyer. I don't want to talk without a lawyer. And he's like, okay, I can't ask you any more questions. And so just to finish his report, he says, gets the spelling of her name. And then he says, and what's his name? And she goes, the guy that I killed. And he's like, I guess and she's like Ryan Carter Poston he's like okay and then she just starts talking like nobody ever asks her a question she's just talking and talking and talking she talks for like three hours she was filibustering she was filibuster (laughs) but like yeah she would not shut the fuck up and you know, they know that she's asked for a lawyer. So they're not asked. Nobody ever asked her any questions. They're like, the cops are actually taking turns, like coming in and just sitting with her because they're all getting worn the fuck out because she won't stop talking. And none of them want to sit in there with her for that long. Was she on some kind of medication or, I mean, they did. I don't know that they did any like testing or anything testing, but it seemed like something, I mean, it was just crazy. They like, you know, they bring her water every once in a while and stuff like that. And she just like, if anybody walks in the room or like peeks their head in or they come in to like, just bring her a cup of water, she just like latches onto them and starts talking to them. And they're like, I've met some people like that. You don't want to be stuck somewhere with them. You have to have like an exit buddy. Yeah. And in an interrogation room, you're stuck. You're stuck. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like, it's only two of you in there, three at the most. So I do have some clips from her interrogation. I mean, like I said, it it's was only like two and a half hours long. So <laughs> yeah, it's fine. No problem. And actually, it's not even interrogation. It's just uh, her talking, her talking. Yeah. Her bloviating. Oh, 
so smart. He had put his arm across the table and there's a lamp and he had put his arm across the table and had it in my face and was screaming at me at the top of his lungs after he had thrown me around the room and was saying emotionally to me, I hate you. I hate everything about you for what you are and my family. And he was screaming and he was he had his head on the table and he wasn't completely standing up. He was like this. He was sitting he was announced it when I shot me it went like this. Literally. That's when I knew he was dead. Or close to it mm -hmm. and twitching. And that's and I couldn't I let him I still even though the hurt. I still enough of me loved him. But I couldn't stand to watch him twitch. I knew he was gonna die or have a completely deformed face. He's very vain. One of our last conversations we had that was good was that he wants my best friend who's a dentist to do his veneers and wants to get a nose job. Just that kind of person. And I shot him right here. I gave him his nose job. He wanted... I broke it. Well, that was nice of her to give him his nose job. What the fuck? What the fuck? She goes right into... Well, first of all, it's hard. I mean, obviously, it's just audio. But what she's doing when she says, like, he's standing like this, he's not getting up all the way, she's she's sitting behind the interrogation table, and she's she's in an getting up from sitting down kind of position. So she's, like, halfway between sitting down and standing up kind of thing. Like so she's saying, almost. yeah, so she's saying he's standing like this. He was about, he wasn't all the way up. Then she shoots him, and then what she does is she sits down and puts her head down on the table. So she shows that she shot him this first time, and he went down, and his head hit the table. So he is rendered completely incapacitated. incapacitated. Yes. Per her words. But that then he began to twitch, and it just the way she said it, his, you know, when she shows that his head hit the table, she says, and that's when I knew he was dead or close to it anyway, because he's twitching. So then she goes, she shoots him more times or whatever. Um, and then she says, you know, because I knew he was going to be, he was either going to die or he'd be, his face would be really deformed. And he's a really vain person. So, you know. Wow. And talking about it, like, you know, he, the last conversation we had was he wanted my best friend who's a dentist to give him veneers and he wanted a nose job. And she's like, that's just the kind of person he is. Like, I don't see that as vain. You know what I mean? Like, no. I don't, yeah, that's just so sad and so ridiculous. And the fact that she is being like, she's condescending yeah. towards him when she's explaining how she fucking murdered, murdered him, him. Yeah. Is outrageous. And just like talking down about him about the kind of person that he was I mean I guess if she if she really had been abused by him I don't know maybe she wouldn't have the nicest things to say but at the same time I feel like if you were forced to kill somebody in self-defense your attitude would be more like 
I can't believe this happened. And you'd probably still be struggling with the fact that this was a person that you loved, but it was basically a killer be killed kind of thing. And that's not what she's doing. She's just talking about him like he's a piece of shit and that she told him off. Like that's kind of how she's acting about it. Yeah, I gave him what he deserved. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I gave him his nose job he wanted. Yeah. Like, that is so fucked up beyond belief. Definitely. So fucked up. And she's talking about it so casually. Yeah. Speaking of fucked up, here's some more of her um, testimony. Bloviation. Good job. Is that a word? (laughs) Yes. Okay. (laughs) Or no. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know if anyone will ever want to marry me if they know that I killed a boyfriend and helped. <laughs> not funny, but the stuff he was saying to me was so abusive while he was throwing me around the room. No, Shayna, I don't think anybody's going to want to marry you when they find out you murdered your boyfriend. No. I love that that's what she's worried about. Like, that's where her mind is going. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if anybody will ever want to marry me. She does, of course, like slide in that self-defense. And then she, when she starts laughing about it, she's like, <laughs> oh, well, I mean, it's, it's not, not funny, funny. because not funny. the things he was saying to me, I mean, were very abusive. Like that's, this is not a laughing matter. She's crazy. Yeah. Like it's, and she's, but she's sane enough to keep, keep bringing up that, quote unquote, self-defense and how abusive what he was saying to her was. And like when she talked about, it got really, I think it was a, it was a quieter part in the first clip, but when she was talking about the stuff that he was saying to her, her, the insult that she keeps using that I guess really, really struck a chord with her was that he called her a fucking hillbilly. (laughs) That just reminds me of Wedding Crashers, and that's a funny thing. (laughs) Like fucking hillbilly? (laughs) It could be a lot worse. Like, I feel like hillbilly is I've been accused of being a hillbilly. (laughs) Yeah. Well, maybe white trash. Oh, that's worse, I feel like. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, people call it like to see it. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Hillbilly's not, I don't know, I think... Sometimes in the South, you wear it as a badge of courage or honor. <laughs> you also are courageous about it. Yeah, sure, sure. It's very I, brave. I don't to know be what a I'm hillbilly. saying. Yeah, you're, <laughs> you're drunk. Go home. Um, but like, yeah, I don't know. I'm just like, okay. I mean, I'm sure there's lots of things that could end up being abusive or whatever. It's just hillbilly to me is. Somebody said that I looked casual one day and I got very upset about it. Like, you don't know that what's personal issues to somebody, Torella. <laughs> That's true. I don't. So, casual to me is like, all right, good. I look better than sucks. <laughs> that is a good way to look at, at it. At least they weren't like, I see your kids' boogers there. Ew. Like, damn it. Why would you say that? Because I have kids. <laughs> but yeah, the hillbilly remark was on a scale of one to awful. I would say it's a negative two. Not that bad. You not know? that bad. It's yeah. not that bad. So now we're going to hear about um, how traumatic this experience was. For her. For her. Of course. If I don't get any serious consequences, then I could really be happy just having a career and maybe not even ever getting married. Because this is very traumatic, you know? Very traumatic for me, 
So, yeah, if, if she doesn't get, like, really serious consequences, she'd probably be happy just, like, having a career later. Because that's what the police want to know about right now. Like, where do you go from here, Shayna? Like, what, what, what do you think would make you happy? Let's talk about that. Like, I don't even understand. Like, she just won't stop talking. Right. I can't imagine being one of the interrogators in that and just having to be like, dear Lord, she's yeah. still talking. And about nothing. It's not yeah. like she's contributing necessarily to the story she's just like needs to hear herself talk yeah yeah I mean she does talk about that a lot too but yeah there is so much of her just talking about just like like at one point she tells one of the police officers how pretty their teeth are and who's vain I mean I'm not saying that giving a compliment is vain but she seems to be the only one really talking about looks the whole time she also said um if I go to jail or like, are you allowed to have your phone in jail or do they take it from you? <laughs> are you allowed to shower or do you just get like really dirty? She says that. It's reminiscent of Jody Arias where she's yeah. like, do I have time to touch up my makeup before my mugshot? <laughs> Obviously, Shana Hubers didn't. Oh, Ooh, that mugshot. <laughs> you guys, you got to look at that mugshot. It's fucking crazy. Gonna want to see that mugshot, boys. That was the Letterkenny <clears throat> reference, by the way. I'm not calling every person boys. Mm-hmm. Whoops. Gotta get those W's, boys. Okay, this one's really quiet, but I think it's necessary. So we'll play it and then I'll clarify it after. Okay, great. I did. Yeah, I did. I can't believe I did that. So what she says is, I did it. Yep, I did. And then she's like, I cannot believe I did that. But almost saying it like, I don't know, if you saw somebody in high school or like from high school that used to give you hell or whatever and you finally like stood up to him or something. You're like, We're oh my God. Gonna take it. Yeah, like, oh my God, I can't believe I just did that. But she's talking about murdering somebody. Just, I did it. I did. Like, she's proud. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And she's alone in the interrogation room at that point. So creepy. And then she begins to sing. point you hear like a police officer come in and give her a a cup of water and she like stops singing and she's like "Uh, thank you and then keeps going and it's like (laughs) this is not like you're not fucking mariah carey in your dressing room getting ready to go out on stage like she really needs to warm her voice up yeah like (laughs) what were these police officers thinking i wonder like this lady is like god 
damn it, I gotta go in and give her a glass of water now. Like she's a nut job. I do not want her to stop. Maybe she'll maybe she'll just keep singing and not talk to me. <laughs> but like that would be an interesting podcast to listen to, like police officers or whoever recalling the weirdest interrogations that they had. Oh, totally would. Wouldn't it? Copyrighted. <laughs> We're gonna do it. We're not police officers. No, but we can interview them. We could. Okay, done and done. Copyrighted. <laughs> so, yeah. So, obviously, her interrogate... I don't know. I don't even know what to call it. Whatever. Her whatever is um, a fucking shit show. So, she talks a lot about being thrown across the room, being abused, that he had pointed a gun in her face before multiple times, that... Um, he was calling her names that they were in the middle of breaking up. She says at one point that she was, she was like, I wasn't doing anything mean. I wasn't saying anything mean. I was just saying like, please be with me, stay in this relationship. Let's stay together. Um, and then he, she says he threw her out and then she said, well, if we're going to break up, at least like, let me come in and get my stuff. And when she came in, that's when he attacked her. But how how did he attack her when he was in mid, like, crouch trying to stand up? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Right. It doesn't... Nothing adds up. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. So she, she says that... It's funny to me to listen to you. I'm so sorry, sidebar, that to listen to you talk because... Our dad does this, and dad, I'm sorry, we, we need to talk about it. We all do this, where we're, like, gathering our thoughts, but we talk at the same time, so we're, like, and then we, uh, and there's, like, lagging in the conversation, or, like, just some downtime in it, and it's so funny to see that we all do it, because <laughs> I do it all the time. I'm, like, people are, like, oh, okay, well, obviously, she's just done talking. I'm, like, no, I'm not. Just, <laughs> yeah wanted to talk before the sentence was formed in my yeah. mind. <laughs> yeah, but they don't know that we do that because I cut all that dead space out. Oh, well. Sounds like we just talk. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Gave our secrets away. Well, you can cut that out. Though. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, she says that she, you know, couldn't better watch him die. That's why she shot him more so she was times. doing it out of the goodness of her heart. Yes. She didn't want him to suffer. What a sweet angel. Yeah. So she ended up shooting him six times. Six times. The only way that that is ever okay with me or has ever been okay with me was that movie Bernie. And he shot the mean old woman a bunch of times. And everybody's like, I'll allow it. <laughs> and they had to move the trial to somewhere else because obviously that's the worst thing. you. I mean, that's terrible. It's a terrible thing. Yeah. And But they were like, I, I think he's innocent. I yeah, <laughs> yeah. I he did us the favor basically. Yeah. Um, Six I, times though, that's just insane. That's a lot of times. That's a lot of times. Again, he was incapacitated after the first time. Mm -hmm. Now, if this is self defense claim, and it really was self defense, if you thought that somebody was going to kill you do you just leave them after shooting them one time? I think it depends yeah. on where, because she shot him in the face. Mm -hmm. It's hard to recover from a blow like that. So I think if you're, you make it count, you know, so she did. Done and done. 
leave. Go call somebody. Exactly. Do whatever. Go and call the police at this point. Don't watch him see him twitch and then go back for more. Right. Like, what is that? Yeah. Yeah. In horror movies, though. Oh, you should always kill him. Always. Empty two, two or three guns on him. Yeah. You're going to have to do that. But in this situation, no. Yes. So she, you know, talks about that there's guns all over the house, that anywhere that you reach your arm out in that house, you could touch a gun. And that she was very fearful. Or a tie. Yeah. Well, no, only in the tie room. Oh, okay. Sorry. It's where they belong. <laughs> um, he was very responsible with his ties. So she kind of talked about that almost as like a manipulation tactic, like that he would use that to keep her afraid, like that he had a gun everywhere, basically. Like, you know, I could kill you anytime I wanted to. Yeah. And she said that night that he picked up the gun and pointed at her and said, what would you do if I shot you right now? And she said, that's why she thought that he was going to kill her and that he had picked up the gun first and then they, she reached for it. So she says they both are grabbing for the gun and she happened to wrestle it away from a six, three, 200 pound guy and shoot him six times. I just don't. I mean, personally, I'm just not buying that. Yeah, me either. I ain't buying what you're selling, girl. So they arrest her. The sergeant comes in. He's like, listen, okay. And she's like, am I going to be out by uh, in time to go tanning? Yeah. He, yeah, he's like, okay, so like with what everything that we have, though, girl, you're arrested. Hmm. I'm going to have to charge you with murder, though, is the only thing. And she's like, mm, okay, what degree then? Which degree? <laughs> he's like, just murder. Just charge you with murder. Um, so you're going to stay here. And she's like, okay, so I've got two papers due on Monday, though. <laughs> is that not going to be important now? Or what's going on? So they're like, probably you don't need to worry about that. Um, you're not going to be out by Monday, I don't think. So she also says at that point or at some point during this that she should have taken the keys and left instead of calling the police after she shot him. And it is interesting that she did call the police. It is. And that's something that her defense lawyer is going to use um, to try and prove that. Well, because they have a bail hearing first to see if she's going to get bail. And she ends up being denied bail. But what they do is they use calls that she had made between, like, her and her mom. And she says several times in those calls. So at this point, it's been, like, two years when they had the bail hearing. Oh, wow. Pretty sure. And she's like, um, you know, if I see an open door, I'm going to run. Or, like, you know, she says stuff like that all the time. And so the prosecution says, you know, did you not say to your mom, you know, this or that, that you were going to like get out of here and change your name and all this stuff. And she's like, um, ma'am, it's been two years. I don't remember every call I've had with my mom. And her lawyer is like, look, she's not a flight risk. She cooperated with the police. She called the police after it happened. She, he was like, who in there, like, if it's not self-defense, if somebody just cold-blooded murdered somebody, why would they then pick up the phone and call the police? Why wouldn't she just leave? You know? And the judge was like, no. Yeah. I think she's a flight risk. No bail for her. So she's got to stay in jail. Good. Because, yeah. yeah, you can very easily – I think what happened, and I think that you would agree, because I'm always right, is that 
she killed him in cold blood. She wanted it to appear like a self-defense. So that's why she decided to call the police because of that very reason. It wasn't like she did it, like, I don't know, without thinking or whatever. Like, that's just the natural train of events or whatever. This was a show for her, I think. Like, all of those events, the calling the police. I mean, you look at her police interview, interrogation, whatever the fuck you want to call it, and she's singing, she's dancing, she's, it's very much, I mean, she's, but she's also aware of what she's doing, because when you hear some of those clips that we played, and there's, you know, you can watch the two and a half hours that are out there, like, there's a lot to watch, but when she does talk about any of it, when she, when she sees herself or hears herself going into comments that could be deemed, you know, as like inappropriate or whatever when she's making like bad jokes. She always brings it back real quick. But, you know, what he was doing was really abusive to me. But remember, I was being really abused. Like, she makes that point. So I think she's just very aware of what she's saying and what she's doing. Absolutely. It's not, it's not something that's just like naturally happening. Mm -hmm. All right. So before we get into the trial... Let's kind of go back through. So right now, because everything we've got right now is just from Shayna's point of view. This is what she's telling the police. She's telling them. I guess we did kind of pick apart a lot of it, but it's hard to spout her bullshit and not do that. But um, everything that we're hearing about their relationship is from her point of view. And she's talking about how abusive Ryan was and what a vain person he was and all this kind of stuff. So then if you kind of flip that around and you actually go and talk to people that knew him, um, they all say completely the opposite. Like everybody that he knew talks about what a great guy he was, that he was a teddy bear, that he was very protective over the people that he loved, but he was... He was just a really, really kind person. Um, So, like we said, he was 29 at the time that this happened. So, he was born on December 30th, 1982. He was born in Kentucky. His parents were Lisa Carter and Jay Poston, and they got divorced pretty soon after Ryan was born, I believe, Um, or he was pretty young when they got divorced. So, his mom, Lisa, went on to marry his stepdad. And they ended up having three daughters together. So Ryan had three half-sisters. Wow. And, um, again, they all just talked about, like, what a wonderful person that he was. But he he actually ended up changing his middle name to Carter, which was his stepdad's last name, because he really loved him, and he was really close with his stepdad, too. So he wanted to honor him in some way as well. So he changed his middle name to Carter. So that's where that came from. That's really sweet. Yeah. That's apparently pretty hard to do. Yeah. To change your middle name. Like you have to, you have to go before a judge. You have to pay a lot of money for mm-hmm. it. Yeah. yeah. So he, he put in it the work. It was really, in, yeah, really yeah. important to him. He had a triple major at Indiana University in history, geography, and political science. Damn. Yeah. So he's super smart guy. Mm-hmm. Then he went to law school, and he moved to Cincinnati, Ohio, and started practicing civil law. 
he um at one point had gone into practice with another person and then by this point at the time of his death he had opened his own practice so the person that he had opened a practice with or whatever that relationship soured somehow and that person was suing him and like it had been a very, very stressful time and all those kind of things. So at the point that this happened, that had just gotten settled and he was like doing his own thing. He had his own clients, like everybody really respected him. Um, all of his like friends and family and everybody said that he would like never raise his voice, um, that he was so sweet. And what a lot of them talked about was that he didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings. He was really afraid to hurt people's feelings. So that was a big part of why Shayna was still in the picture because he would tell her, like he would try to let her down easy. He would tell her that they needed time apart or that he wanted to see other people and stuff like that. And she would cry and pitch a fit or basically stalk him and just like worm her way back in. And then he would give in and he was just afraid. He didn't want to be mean to her. Yeah. So he just kind of tried to spare her feelings as much as he could and yeah. tiptoe around stuff, even though. Yeah. So Shayna, oh, and his family, the way they talk about his family is that they came from money, basically, that they were like, you know, when you think about Kentucky, the Derby, there's the Derby, there's all those like really high end, you know, kind of things. And like he was in that world, his family was in that world. And all yeah. That kind of stuff, yeah. They had a lot of land, stuff like that. I'm sure their place was really top draw. Oh, yeah. Wow, does everyone summer? <laughs> um, Shayna Huber's, though, she was, she was really smart. Also, she graduated cum laude. Um, she was a psychology major. She was wanted to be a school counselor, I think. Um, she really went the other way on that one. She sure did. Um, she did music and drama in school. She had a flair for the dramatic. Oh, you don't you say. Think? I'm shocked. Yeah, one of her friends was like, yeah, every time she would break up with a guy, it was like super dramatic. It was always, you know. She's so immature. Worst day of her life. Yeah, kind of thing. So, um, but she, her, I think her, they said her mom was a doctor I don't remember what they said her dad did, but they said that she was more in the middle class. And one of her friends said that she basically wanted more than she had growing up. Like the life. She had like a little little mermaid complex. Yeah. The life that she thought that Ryan was leading or that he was going to head into and like his family history. It like. was more on par with what she wanted. Yeah. Like they. Some of her friends said that they thought maybe she was like a gold digger kind of type because she was basically like, I'm going to find myself a doctor or a lawyer. So she was, it wasn't like, I want to marry somebody that I'm in love with. It was like, I want to marry somebody that is one of these professions so that I have more money kind of thing. Yes. Is the way they talked about it. Ladder or something. Yeah. So that kind of stuff was really important to her. Um, again, she says Ryan was the one that was vain, but (laughs) so they met in 2011. Uh, Shayna was 19 at the time. Ryan was 28. His cousin Carissa, like I said before, is who they met through because she was friends with Carissa. 
and they started dating. Um, Shayna was at that time in the master's program at the University of Kentucky, so that was about 80 miles away from where Ryan lived. And over the course of the 18 months or so that they were dating, they broke up multiple times. They'd be together a few months and they break up. Um, he said that he told her and there's messages and everything that he said he wasn't really looking for anything serious and that he was trying to break it off. And there was one day that he sent a message to one of his friends and said that he was mentally and emotionally spent and that he had already gotten like 70 text messages from her that day or something crazy. And that he was just hoping that she'd leave him alone. And she was had sent messages to some of her friends saying, Ryan says the only reason he's still with me is because he feels so awful when I cry. And those kind of things. He had also texted his cousin that um, one of the messages that he sent her was, this is getting to be restraining order level crazy. And she's shown up at my condo like three times and refuses to leave each time. And people said, like people that he worked with, people he was friends with and his family, everybody said that she would call him over and over and over and over and over. And if she couldn't get an answer, she'd show up at his house. And if he wasn't there, she'd show up at his work. And then she would refuse to leave. Like she'd say, no, I'm not leaving until I see him or until he gets here or whatever. Or she'd get to his house and she wouldn't leave. And... It just, and there's like thousands of messages between them over a very short period of time. That she instigated, I'm sure. Yeah, it's most of them are her. So he also sent a Facebook message to his friend Allie and said, literally, probably probably the craziest fucking person I've ever met. She almost scares me. It's. I just feel like there's all these little things that you look back and think. And, like, I read an interview with his dad, and his dad is like, we we thought she was crazy. We thought, okay, she's, like, obviously, like, really holding on to something here that she shouldn't be and, like, she won't let go. But at the same time, we were like, he's over six foot tall. He's, like, he's a he's a big guy. He can take care of himself. Like, they weren't worried about his safety. They just thought she was having trouble letting go they never imagined that she'd kill him like Mm -hmm. it's just yeah that's like i don't know that's how a lot of cases because it's like you don't really think it's gonna escalate to that or like that they're capable of doing something like that but she had all of the signs i mean he even used the word like restraining order crazy stalker like that kind of stuff you know Mm mm-hmm he, Ryan, had, so he lived in an apartment complex and he had a neighbor named Nikki Carnes and Shayna got to be friends with this girl, woman somehow. She was a little bit older than them. And Shayna complained to her multiple times that Ryan was emotionally abusive to her, that he was playing games with her, that he would lead her on. Nikki said that Shayna would do everything for Ryan, that she would do his laundry. She would go grocery shopping for him. She would do this or that. And you know, he took advantage of that with her and she sounded so desperate. Yeah. And she said that she, that Shayna even showed up to her place at one time and had like marks on her arms and stuff and said that Ryan had thrown her around or whatever. 
And there is an instance where Ryan tells either his friend or his cousin, I can't remember who, that that Shayna had shown up at his house, that she refused to leave. He asked her to leave several times and that she refused to leave. And he said, I had to physically pick her up and throw her into the hallway to get her out of my house. So if that's the instance that Shayna went downstairs or she next door or whatever. giving the entire story. <laughs> exactly. Like maybe he did have to physically pick her up, but he asked her to leave several times. She wouldn't do it. There was also one time that she went to his house and she wouldn't leave. And so he left and went to his dad's house and stayed the night just to get away from her because she wouldn't leave his house. Mm-hmm. And she stayed at his house all night. Like what a weirdo. That's yeah. Such a creep. Um, Nikki also said that she heard them yelling a lot, that she did hear them fighting a lot. And, you know, Shayna talks about the night of the murder, that there was this big argument, that they were fighting, that they were yelling, that he was throwing her around the apartment, that, you know, he was slamming her into the couch and into other things, threw her on the floor, that he was screaming at her how much he hated her, that she was a hillbilly and all this stuff. But none of the neighbors reported hearing any kind of a fight, an argument that night at all. And they all reported hearing gunshots, but they none of them heard yelling before that. So to them, it sounded like somebody just picked up a gun and started shooting. Like they, they didn't hear the fight. And like Nikki had reported that she'd heard them in in yelling fights before. So you, at least we know one person has heard them fight before. Mm-hmm. So it seems like that would have been heard. Mm-hmm. Um, but once they started going through their text messages, I mean, she would text them like 50 to a hundred times a day. At least she was sending Facebook messages. They said there was hundreds of thousands of messages. And for every one message from him, there was like 50 from her at least. I mean, it's completely disproportionate. Mm -hmm. And about eight months before the murder, Ryan tried to break it off with Shayna. Like, there were some times that Ryan would get so frustrated that he would, I guess, to him, kind of like stand his ground a little bit or or be what he thought was going to be, like, rude. Like, a lot of times I think he didn't, from what everybody says, he didn't want to be mean to her or whatever, but... Like one time he texted her and said, cause she was texting him over and over and over for a nine hour period. She texted him almost like incessantly over and over and over. And he finally said, stop texting me. And he said, um, at one point he was like, I'm not reading any of these messages. Stop texting me. And then he said, I no longer have the patience to deal with you. And that didn't stop her. She just kept going and he would just get worn down, I guess. And he did look into getting a restraining order cause he was a lawyer. So like he, you know, he could have done something about that. Um, but in Kentucky at that time, I don't know if it's still this way. You couldn't get a restraining order because well, you could only get a restraining order if you were living together or you were married. So you had to meet qualifications, and they didn't live together. So he didn't qualify to get a restraining order. That's kind of ridiculous that that's the criteria. Yeah, because people stalk people all the time that they don't live with. Right. It's That's crazy to me. So they had 
you know, they're doing this on again, off again thing. And then they got back together again in the summer. And this happened in October. So they get back together over the summer. And then in, in late August is when she was texting him. It was like a hundred messages in nine hours. And he had told her before that, that he was turning off his phone and padlocking his door because he knew she was just going to show up. And that's when he told her like, don't, I'm not reading this. Stop texting me or whatever. Um, and that's actually when she showed up at his house and he left and went to his dad's cause she wouldn't leave. So this is August that that happens. So she's getting progressively worse. And it seems like when she feels like things are not going to go her way, she just retaliates with this incessant obsessive behavior. Mm. So I just looked it up and there are two different types of protective orders in Kentucky. And the first one is domestic violence order, which is family members, spouses, ex-spouses, parents, children, grandparents, grandchildren, and members of an unmarried couple, people who have lived together as a couple or people who have a child together. And then there is an interpersonal protective order, which is what he would have had to do, which is people who are in or have been in a dating relationship, people who have been sexually assaulted, and people who have been stalked. Hmm. So, But it doesn't say which particular, what criteria you have to meet to file those. It just says what kind of relationship. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Maybe they have, maybe they have more now, mm-hmm. more options now. I don't know. Yeah. Cause it, that wouldn't make any sense for you to not be able to take out a restraining order against somebody that you don't live with or not married to. Yeah. Like, because there are multiple different, like you don't even have to be in a romantic relationship for somebody to be stalking you or you, for you to need a re- restraining order against right. somebody. Exactly. Yeah. So now we've kind of painted a picture from both sides We've heard Shayna's account of their relationship. We've heard Ryan's friend's account and family's account. And in one of the specials I watched, I watched a 2020, I watched a Dateline, I think maybe, or no, 48 Hours. Anyway, whatever, one of those. Um, One of them was talking about the Facebook messages that Ryan had sent, like his family and friends. And it was... I don't know why it just struck me, but it said um, almost as if like beyond the grave, basically Ryan is telling his story through these Facebook messages because we still have those. And so it's not just his word against or her word against. Yeah. It's not just like her word and he's not there to, to dispute it because we do have his history of telling people she's crazy. She won't leave me alone. I've asked her to go away I've told her to leave. I've I've told her that I don't want to be together anymore. I've, you know, whatever, all of these things, and she won't go away, and she just refuses to leave. I've left my house because she won't leave. I've had to physically pick her up and put her outside of my house, like all of these things. So we, we do see that, and I, I think also she's talking about him being the aggressive person in the relationship, and we talked about this with Jodi Arias too, that she – said Travis Alexander was the aggressor in that relationship, that she was afraid of him. But then she moved how far away from him and would still reach out to him all the time. And she still made a point to drive through where he was. Like if you're that scared of somebody and you're not with them, Shayna lived 80 miles away from Ryan. If she was afraid of him, she didn't have to drive 80 miles to see him all the time. Exactly. And if she was very afraid of him, when her mom came to pick her up, she could have left with her, but she didn't. 
So when you think about who's the aggressor in this relationship, you've got somebody sending a hundred text messages a day, almost all of them unresponded to. And he has told her, I'm not even reading these. Stop, yeah. stop sending me these things. You yeah. Know? This is not doing you any good. I'm not even looking at it. Like, yeah, he's not like perpetuating that. Yeah. I think, I mean, you and I text all the time and we'd probably have to go like a month to get a hundred text messages. Oh, like, yeah. I mean, it's just insane how often she's texting. Like it's, it's crazy. So we've, we've gotten to the point of the trial basically at this point. So in the next episode, we're going to go through the trial. We're going to go through her sentencing and, um, and her life. <laughs> yeah. What she's up to now, which is interesting. It is, to say the least. Yes. So, as always, um, we'll be back next week with the next episode. If you want to get number two right now. You said number two. (laughs) (laughs) Not poop, guys. (laughs) Not poop. Not poop. We're not giving you poop. (laughs) If you want to get episode, I don't know what number it is, though. So, if you want to get part two, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good God. (laughs) If you want to get part two right now then you can go to the patreon you want to get poop too <laughs> it'll be on patreon yeah you can join the patreon you can get it the early release of it um before everybody else does otherwise we'll catch you next week bye bye get in on the conversation on facebook and instagram at killer queens podcast and join our facebook discussion group at killer queens podcast where we discuss cases covered on the show and all things 90s if you want to submit a case to be covered on the show, visit www.killerqueenspodcast.com slash case submission and complete the form. If we cover the case, we'll even give you a shout out on the show. Killer Queens is researched, mixed, and mastered by our own damn selves. The theme song for the show is created and composed by Stephen Toby. You can find more of Stephen's work on SoundCloud. And our logo was created by Sloan Williams of Sophisticated Crayon. You can find more of her work on Etsy. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 